Hi everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to Between the Head and the Heart, a podcast run by Lexington Wealth Management. And today we're extremely lucky to have Jim Rosen. Um, Jim Rosen is a friend of the firm. Uh, we know Jim through many relationships that we have established through the years. And today he's going to be talking to us about a topic that we have encountered more and more often to be of tremendous tremendous value to our network, which is mindfulness and meditation. And he's coming from a point uh, or a perspective that's a little different, which is the intersection of entrepreneurship and meditation. So uh, welcome, Jim. Thank you. It's great to be here. And um, I, I actually wanted to start with a basic question, which is, when did you start meditating and considering mindfulness as part of your daily life? Well, those are not exactly the same time. Uh, <laughs> true, true. Let's separate I those. I started meditating. Uh, first of all, I was, you know, I grew up in the 70s and I was interested. Uh, there was a lot of interest in this stuff. And I had the good fortune when I was in college to meet two really distinguished meditation teachers. One a Zen teacher and the other a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. And I just fell in love with the whole thing. And at the time, um, and I started, you know, I, it took me a longer time to really make it part of my life. I think like most people, you know, people are come to this, they're interested, but they also are, you know, busy and distracted and, you know, confused about the priorities in their life. And <laughs> I wasn't I no exception to that. Uh, but I, I did. Um, I mean, I really, I think kind of more fully entered it when I was a undergraduate at MIT. I was literally walking down the street in Cambridge and I'd been interested in meditation and I saw a flyer uh, for a meditation class and I, I went on over and I was just like I say, I was hooked on the whole thing. Hmm. And, I, and just for the people listening, a little bit of context. Uh Jim helps coach startup CEOs, startup uh, leadership teams. So he sees a lot of stress, a lot of people in need of taking a moment and taking a headspace, as, as it's commonly refer. And uh, so you you have seen the whole spectrum of people needing this in their life. And I'm assuming back in the day when you were at MIT, you might have been one of those. Um, yeah, you know. I think people come to meditation because, and I've taught a lot of new people. I mean, I've been teaching now for decades, and, and so I've seen a lot of people come in. And I think underlying it is always something feels off. And it, it could be stress, you know, and I think, um, and, and but I view that as kind of intelligent because for, you know, usually we have this kind of, enforce public persona like everything's great you know i'm killing it and you know particularly in the tech everything's good and it's going well and you know that's sure lots goes well uh, but usually um there's a few things that aren't as well um i do think it's gotten you know i think on one hand the reasons people come into meditation are not new i mean this tradition goes back literally thousands of years um including people lived in very rural places which you know are you know you could say well how could they feel the need to meditate but i think the culture today is actually pretty extreme you know why is that why is that coming that you said like people in uh, rural places 
Let me go back to the point. Why you said that you said that people in rural places might not have the need? Is it like kind of like correlating? No, I think they do. I mean, I'm just I'm saying quite the contrary. You know, yeah. people started to meditate. I mean, the traditions actually go back to almost all the wisdom and religious traditions. There was some form of this, but if you go back to the early Buddhist and Hindu and yogic roots, um, people lived in cultures, you know, that um, were quiet by our standards, and and they found meaning and need to do this. So I don't think it's new, but I think if you look at the current cult, you know, it's, it's like the context is always evolving over history, and, and so uh, maybe the roots of why people come to it are the same, but the culture today, you know, I think the rate of change in the amount of information people coming to people's way is, you know, I, I think it's a certainly approaching the human capacity to keep up. And on some level, we're creatures of homeostasis, and we find that hard. Um, yeah. And so I think people are struggling. I think one of the, I do a lot, as you know, I do a lot of executive coaching. And one of the um, privileges and honors of being coaches, people tell you what's really on their mind. And uh, it's very trust-based kind of open set of conversations. and. I think people very broadly are struggling with um, how do they kind of navigate their lives, you know, and, and there's just, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but, you know, it's like a little bit like there's got to be something more um, that you got to make meaning um, in their lives. And at the same time, like you say, there's tons of pressure, tons of anxiety. Um, and as hard as it's believed, there's probably more than people's fair share of it in the sort of tech startup community, which I'm very part of. So, um, I would say a couple of, no, more than a couple now, maybe like six months ago, we had a, a, an Empower Women series host, mm -hmm. Anna, Danielle Gottesman. And um, during her session, she referred to the episode that Dan Harris had on national right. TV and how meditation actually changed his life right after. Yep. Uh, Dan Harris has been the author of the 10% Happier book, yep. uh, which I totally recommend for people that are not necessarily willing to read a Buddhist book or, or yeah, something a little I, more I, in that. I recommend it to friends and clients uh, all the time. Actually, I like their podcast, not their podcast, excuse me, their iPhone and Android apps, I think, yeah. are among among the best that are out there. And and um, I guess where I was trying to say is like a, a lot of people face this wall at some point where it's when they kind of like realize, whoa, I need to take a break, or yeah. I need to start rebalancing my energy somehow. For sure. And uh, and hopefully, what you are doing and your coaching is way before that happens, right? Yeah. Um, so this is something that's going to sound a little weird for people listening here, but um, a few months ago, some of the Lexington staff here, we actually went to spend a day with a Buddhist, with a, with a Buddhist monk. And uh, why was that? <laughs> a lot of people are like, what in the world were you guys doing there? Um, it was one of the most transformational experiences we have had as a team. Uh -huh. uh, it made us, uh, one. Of, I would say the most important takeaway that I got is the ability of differentiate between mind and awareness and being present and exercises to be present and realizing when you are not being present. Um, I don't know if you can expand on that particular difference. The, the, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not really here. 
Well, yes, I'll do that. But let me also say, I think you said something that was really insightful, which was it was transformative for us as a team. Yes. That's a little different um, or a little bigger than it was transformative for me as an individual. Exactly. And I, I really, it's my experience that when teams are of people are able to get together and you're able to create a space where they're be able to be fully present and in a space of awareness and have a, a joint sort of shared experience, um, that that is, enables things to be heard and changes and shifts to happen. I think there's really no other way that are kind of a deeper level that are very hard to do in kind of a more stakeholder model where you go out to individuals and you um, get all the positions and and essentially kind of negotiate a, a way forward that's acceptable to everybody. And, and I don't want to take away the importance that meditation has had individually to of me course. in my life. Like actually that changed my life. It didn't transform the team. Yep. It, it changed my life. But you are absolutely right. Uh, going through that experience has allowed us to approach each other differently now. And, uh, you, you should look. There, there's a gentleman named Otto Sharmer in the Presencing Institute that operates out of MIT. It does a lot of good work in this area, hmm. as does, say, the Authentic Leadership Program at Naropa University. It's just this notion of bringing um, a deeper, collective, connected awareness into the workplace um, allows things to happen um, that, that can be powerful. So, so let's, let's talk about that for a second, which is, I think, one of the most, I would say, uh, points of doubt uh, amongst people that are not necessarily into the meditation practice, which is they cannot see a tangible of, of, of the positive effect that meditation has when it's brought into groups. Um, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to describe. Like there's no like a performance like 2.x now, or or there's people now uh, able to work longer, better, or shorter, more efficient. I have I have no idea what the metrics are of what meditation actually is, uh, what the meditation's impact is on work, but I'm sure it's tangible. Yeah, I mean, my own experience as someone having done that through their career. Um, and initially, I should say very privately, because you know now it's pretty hip if we're doing a podcast about it, and Dan Harris is, is making a career out of this, um, and doing good work. I don't mean to be cynical about it, but uh, back in the day, it was considered very distinctly weird. Um, I have no doubt in terms of my own experience, and there's lots of research to support this, that you know, you could say that in terms of, at least the domains I work on these days are really around leadership development, um, that meditation is kind of a superpower. Um, and I wouldn't just say, you know, I use meditation pretty broadly for kind of more reflective awareness-based yeah. practices. So it could include journaling and group exercises and individual. So it's uh, not necessarily 100% sit quietly alone. Um, you know, I, th I think it helps bring, and I think it, I'll just speak from my own experience, you know, I think from my own career, which it really, I think it kind of cultivated in part some f fearlessness, if that doesn't sound like 
too crazy a word, um, that part of the underlying view of meditation is that you're willing to be present and that, you're, that all of your experience, good, bad, happy, and sad, are actually fundamentally intrinsically workable and that you're able to be present with them, you don't need to flee them, you don't need to gin them up. Um, and, and bringing that attitude into the workplace, it, it, it brings a certain freedom, actually. Um, so there's that. There, it's also really helpful, I think I said a few minutes ago, you know, I know the podcast is around entrepreneurs. You know, my own kind of lens through that is largely through the world of tech startups, because uh, that's where I come from, and that's where most of the people I work with are. And you know, they're real emotional roller coasters. I, I, <laughs> they, they, they're they're hard. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs, and you know, we're kind of easily triggered, and, and entrepreneurial situations are full of kind of triggers to our identity and our self-worth and all that. And meditation gives you a little, you know, helps me, you could say, build the capacity to remain grounded and centered. It's not that the feelings and triggers and reactions go away. I don't think, I'm not sure they ever go away, and you could argue about that, but practically speaking, I think they don't. And um but how we navigate them, we can develop some um, skill. And so it's helpful for that. I also think, you know, one of the main outcomes or of meditation is that people, you develop kind of a more open heart um, and more vulnerability and you're willing to be more open to your own internal experience, but also you become more aware of what's going on with other people and the situation, the dynamics around you. And that inner and outer awareness, I think, is kind of the secret sauce for creativity and um, so, innovation and all that. And you really want people in your company who are able to do that. Now, obviously, there's also a time to put on the blinders and, and push boulders uphill. I mean, that's that. And you just touched on the point that I think it's it's the the one that has made the most difference amongst us internally here, okay. which is once you start meditating, you create this awareness of who you are and who is around you. And then, yep. uh, like you said, there's no, there's no walls. Uh, at least you're aware of the walls when they are there. And that creates the ability for the other people around us to just feel more comfortable taking their walls down because you don't have yours. Absolutely. And then that communication is kind of like streamlined. It's a little more direct. Yep. Uh, Very well put. Uh, uh, what we have found a lot with clients actually is when we're trying to go there, it's harder, right? Because clients are, uh, don't tend to sometimes be willing to be vulnerable right at the beginning. and we are trying to include those thought processes in our staff because they the more vulnerable both sides are the more direct communication the more you learn from each other the more connected you feel so is there anything you can tell us of how to start introducing in a soft way to just somebody that is not meditating is not very self-aware about how to slowly making them connect more well, I'm gonna, it's a tough question. I, I, no, I, I'm going to say something that might surprise you. You um, can. <laughs> 
First of all, there are ways to do that, and in your own presence is contagious. And I'll talk. And there are even tips and techniques. Yeah. Um, however, I, I think the kind of starting point is you have to meet people where they are, and you really can't make them be more mindful or be like it's. And I know I know you, Jordy, and I, I know you're. you're uh, distinctly kind, uh, supportive person, and I know you to meet it, but a lot of times it's a point of frustration for new meditation practitioners because there's this feeling like, oh my gosh, if only other people kind of understood this experience, you know, everything would be different, and I got, I got to show it to them. And it's kind of a form of aggression, actually. It is. It, it's, um, and people sense that actually, you know, you're trying to kind of get in my head and make me do something I don't really yeah. feel comfortable doing. So I think one of the most powerful things you can do is accept people truly for where they are and how they are. And that act in itself, the truth of the matter is the act of meeting people on their own terms helps them open. And, um, and so you could think they're chance, but you know, sometimes people are ready for that and sometimes they're not, and you have to respect that. And I'll just speak for myself. By the way, I'm the exact same way. It's not like I you know, <laughs> talk to my wife, am I always open and uh, yeah. you know, compassionate and meeting her where she is? I mean, the answer is no. But, um, yeah, so somebody actually put it to me the same, it's in basically different words. It's like when you're trying to get or to help somebody, uh, get out of a hole. You don't reach down to get to pull them out. You kind of like just you gotta jump in the hole with them and get yeah, to where they are. That's one way to say, talk about um, it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's like you need to, and people when they, you know, the other beautiful thing is when people feel they're met on their own terms. It allows them. Sometimes it allows them to relax. You know, the other truth of the matter is sometimes you have to be skillful and look for time and places when people are willing to be open and feel safe. Uh, you can't will that. And, you know, so your awareness and you become more conscious and people have their openings and times they are. And if they give, you know, permission, you know, kind of implicitly, you can ask for permission, of course, but you can also, sometimes you can just sense that people are willing to have another kind of conversation. And, but it takes two to meet there. Um, and I also think, you know, I, I spend probably more time than the vast majority with people who are kind of dedicated to this kind of work and in a really deep kind of way. But I would say being open and aware is a necessary part of the mix, but it's also not enough um, that it doesn't um, take away kind of all the issues and obligations around dealing with the sort of practical, earthy realities of what's going on, and there's still tasks. And so it's not like you get to be um, mindful and peaceful and kind of all the challenges and the boulders that need to be pushed up hills, the differences and conflicts that, you know, always have and always will exist between people go away. And so you're, you still have the need to 
develop the ability to uh, navigate all that as well. Um, you know, the traditional, matter of fact, if you look at the logo for my company, it's the sun and the moon, which stands for wisdom and skillful means. Um, okay. And, and it's a very traditional, you need both um, together. You're hmm. a whole person. Um, let, let's, let's talk about a more basic question that uh, I had to ask myself, uh, I would say maybe three, four, five years ago, which is, why do I need to meditate? Like, why? Why should people meditate? That's a good question. I can give you what I answered to myself at the okay. time. And, and it was, and, and I think you have mentioned this. It was a way of just giving myself permission to explore this. I yep. needed to answer that question. Uh, it's like, hey, I, I'm supposed to be in control of my time and, and I'm good at time management and I know exactly what I'm doing this for. But for some reason, I don't feel present and I don't feel in control. My answer was, is this something that can give me back a little bit of control of my time, where I'm putting my energy in, what I'm not doing correctly, and most importantly, how I'm treating people. Yeah. And, and it did. It changed my perspective within a week. It changed my perspective on like, how do I approach a meeting? How do I approach a situation? How do I approach a new person? Uh, so I just never left it. But you did something really wise that you just spoke to when you thought about meditation. You said you gave your, let's see if I get your words right. You said, I gave myself permission to explore this. I did. And you know, that is exactly the right way to come to it. I think when um, a lot of people say, oh, I can't meditate, you know, I'm just way too type A or my mind's too wild and you don't, you don't know what, what it's like for me. Um, and I think people have a couple of misconceptions about meditation that make it harder to approach it. Uh, you say one is people think that if um, you're thinking you're not meditating and that's never been the view of meditation. <laughs> I don't, I don't know think where it, it comes from. I, well, I think I know where it comes from. I think people long to stop thinking because it's like the voice in their head is, I mean, people are very cruel to themselves yeah. in, 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 in interior ways. And I often joke as a coach, you know, if people treated other people the way they treated themselves, they would, you know, other people would never put up with that. And, um, but, but they have this idea, like I should be able to turn this off and turn into um, maybe it's watching that old uh, you know TV series with David Carradine, Kung Fu, or whatever it was called. That you know, you'll just be one with everything, and you'll never have thoughts that'll get in the way of anything. Um, and you know, thinking is, I'd say, part of what mind does. It's the nature of mind to think, and. You, I, I actually think you could stop it for short periods of time, and maybe if you're trained enough, you could stop it. But gosh, why would you want to? And, and I think in general, it's fair to say, aspiring to stop the mind from thinking is kind of like aspiring to stop the ocean from having waves. Um, it's it's a lost cause, and why would you want to do that? It's you know that's what makes the ocean the ocean. Uh, 
it's what's meant to do. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's meant to do. And and the irony of it is the act of trying to stop it only makes it worse. It's like, remember that old movie Gremlins? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, they always say, like, don't water them or whatever it yeah. was. Don't, because they multiply. And, and when you, the nature of thoughts is when you try to suppress them, they just multiply and expand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things you learn in meditation is just the act of letting them be, you know, allows a little more space and quiet and um, in your mind. And I think so that, you know, letting go of I need to stop thinking Think and set that expectation is helpful. I think the other, there's a lot of misconceptions, but the other big one I, I think may be relevant to your question is that people approach meditation as some big self-improvement project and that and I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who needs another project in their life. I mean, <laughs> I'm sick of them. I'm trying to... It's like step one, step two, step three, complete exactly. timeline. It's like, oh my gosh. And I was thinking about this I, for another conversation I was having with someone and I was thinking, well, what about my elderly mother? Maybe she needs another project. And no. Um, this is not a project. Nobody, no. And, and so... You know, when people, a couple things, you know, one is it then it just becomes, it's kind of another burden, another thing on your to-do list. Yeah. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. The other thing about it is people come to it, you know, with this project, like I need to manage my stress. I just listened to this podcast. If I'm a little more open and aware, I'll be a, a, a much better entrepreneur, and and I, and I and and I'll be able to manage my time better. And I'll yeah. get more done uh, because I'll be I won't be uh, so distracted and multitasking and all that. Or I have high blood pressure, and meditation is really good for that. But the irony of things is, if you let go of that, you know, part of the root of kind of the stress and, and difficulty people face is that. Um, it's kind of all in the me game. It's 100%. 100%. And that when you're able to let go of that, if you can come to your meditation with a little both simpler and higher aspiration, you know, one is bring some inquisitive, like you, you said this lovely thing right at the beginning, I gave myself permission to explore that and see if it's true for you. And the second is to... If you really want to explore, try to bring a motivation. May this be kind of a benefit to myself and other people, and may this enrich my life, and cultivate that side of it. And and when you find, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very a relatively regular and disciplined meditator, which most people uh, struggle a lot with, you know, keeping up a regular practice. And and I think the reason, I, you know, some people say like, how do you do this? Is I really enjoy my practice um, you know I feel like it brings benefit to me so you know and I'm a very disciplined person I, you know I think I and like lots of people you can make yourself do anything for a while and if you're super disciplined for a long time but sooner or later if if it's not bringing actual benefit to you, you and drop. you feel like you're gonna drop it it's only yeah. intelligent like yeah. why would you you know and that and you should if it's you not bringing should, exactly. any, any value. So, you know, to keep an open mind, like you said, and approach it with some inquisitiveness. Um. Now there is, I think, there is also a pressure that comes with being labeled of like you are a, med a person that meditates. Uh, kind of like when it happened 
I'll bring it personal again. I try to uh, to become vegan for yep. a few months, and I realize that just the concept of becoming vegan was a whole pressure, right? People around you, oh, what are you eating? Like it was like answering questions literally every meal, yeah. even to myself, because like, oh yeah, why am I eating this? But uh, or why I'm not eating this? And then I realized you don't have to kind of like label it like that. I, my my entire perception became about plant-based uh, diet instead of vegan. And once again, I, I was able to once in a while be off that, which is fine in my head. I was happy with that. The same happened with meditation. I didn't, it, was, it became something that I didn't do every day at some point. I did it way enough to change my act or, or to change the way I act, the way I, I present myself, the, the way I was comfortable in a room, the way I thought about the day, the, the way I thought about my relationships. But I didn't do it like three times a day. It was just incorporated in my lifestyle, just like Good for you. the veganism was. And, and I think that's where people say, oh, you should do it when you wake up from bed, do it before. But like, no, it, it's whatever works for you. Hear her. Yeah. You well, should be a meditation teacher. No. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Some people would disagree with that. Probably my girlfriend would disagree with that. Although I do make my bed every day. All right. If um, that's the first thing. Close that cycle. So, yeah. you know, I think you said something really important. You know, when you're able, you know, one of the problems with setting really big goals and making everything goal oriented, not to say, look, there's a time and a place for goals, but. If you relate furthermore, if you relate to the goals, always like I'm trying to get somewhere else, it's very stressful and it takes you out of the present. It's very hard to relax in your own experience. And on some level for certain goals, you know they're BS before you start, so you're going to give up. It's kind of like <laughs> at new, you know, every New Year's all around the world and I'm right up there, people make um, these resolutions like I'm never going to eat another chocolate chip cookie. Yeah because I don't like my weight or my sugar or my blood sugar or whatever. And, you know, as soon as you say it, there's just a little piece of you that knows not a chance. It's you're a 100% lie. So, so it's a 100% lie. So you've... It's like, why, be, why go through the charade? Yeah. Whereas if you, you know, say to yourself, well, you know, I'm going to try to watch my diet and sort of moment by moment in ways that work in your life. I'm going to try to make, you know, and make healthy choices and set the intention when you eat and pay attention to it while you're eating. Not like, did I make my goal of no chocolate chip cookies today? But, you know, am I being aware and making conscious choices while I'm eating? Uh, That's key. So, so I think the awareness, I, I cannot stress enough. Sure. It's like, we tend to live, and people hear and say this all the time, it's like a fast-paced world, moment by moment, but it is so true. Like, we really don't plan sometimes dinner and you're in breakfast. You sometimes don't plan what you're going to do the next morning and who you're going to meet with because you're just up to the next meeting, up to the next task. And meditation can be a way to be conscious of what's coming. Uh, uh, yeah, that at least that was one approach, or what changed in my life. It's like I know that if I do this today, I'm aware that the results are this in the next 48 hours. Uh, say what I, you mean by that? Yeah, you, let's you, say that if I have a in my head, I'm very stressed. 
I open my calendar. Yeah, I have 32 meetings. Cancel 10. <laughs> it's in my power. So, but by not taking those decisions and being aware of what's causing your pain, causing your stress, yeah, well uh, you are kind of just like self-inflicting this. And meditation allows me to take that moment and plan a little bit ahead. Yeah, I, I really, for a lot of my clients, yeah. I, I really encourage people. And actually, this is one of the most simple, powerful thing you can do in your day. It's just take like literally maybe 15 minutes yeah. to do a, what I, you know, I call a daily self-reflection. Hmm. Look back on your day and say, you know, in a holistic way. Sometimes, you know, I, I refer to the I, the we, and the yet, an idea I didn't invent, but looking at it in an integral, holistic, ourselves as whole people, yeah. you know, am I doing the things that I need to sort of be able to manage my own energy and needs, um, the we, you know, how am I interacting with people and am I adding things into the relationships I have at home and at work and yet, you know, and the tasks, well, you know, I've got my podcast with Jordy tomorrow and I want to, um, collect my <laughs> thoughts for that. Yeah. Um, and that, and then look back, you know, what worked and what didn't look forward, say to the next day and, take some time and it just helps you orient yourself and point yourself and and and, and you learn something in the process yeah. the uh and then maybe once a week you know take a longer period to look back over the week and look forward and it doesn't take much time but it makes people it makes um helps us migrate from a sort of very reactive like you were saying you know kind of pants on fire, racing from meeting to meeting to a little more intentional um, and starting to pull forward, you know, because we can be doing all sorts of stuff, but are we really doing the things that matter and are important? And the answer is, <laughs> Thank you for putting my 45-second scramble into the two words, reactive versus intentional. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, is the heart. Um, I, like I said, I do a lot of work on leadership development and moving from reactive to intentional sometimes we use the word creative kind of leadership or um, from a reactive maybe more so uh, self-authorship is you know the very definition of becoming more effective more powerful leaders uh, for the vast majority of people um. I want to switch a little bit to you okay. instead of uh, the topic of, of mindfulness and meditation. And uh, and this is kind of like to, to have the last two questions. Uh, the first one is, could you describe a day in your life and, and how meditation plays a part on it? I, well, um, my day is... I get up every morning, and I, I can't say every day, but almost every day I meditate. And I'm pretty committed compared to most people, so for me that's 45 minutes or an hour, practically speaking. And I, I do this first thing, often before breakfast, not always. I mean, I, I usually literally get up and I, um, and I have a cup of tea and then I do my meditation. At least when I'm operating at my best, and that helps. Um, first of all, if I find if I don't get that time in, it becomes increasingly elusive and challenging to do it. Um, but it also is kind of like I was saying before; it really kind of sets the orientation and kind of mood. And and in the meditations, among other things, you know, I do reflect on my intentions on how 
Um, I want to be in my day. Yeah. I don't particularly go through my to-do list, but but I do. Um, you know, how do I want to show up? How do how do I you know want to be as a person? You know, that's part of it. What are my intentions? And then I do my meditation. So I start that way, and then I try to go through the day. You know, very important to me, at least this point of my practice is try to bring it. You could say the mind of meditation into my daily activities and like everyone i do this with you know greater or lesser uh, success depending on you know what day or what month you get me in um but but I, i'm trying very much i'm you know i'm a very despite my whole thing i just said about not setting too many goals i'm a very goal-oriented <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think most entrepreneurs yeah, yeah most yeah. people are um so, you know, I have a real intention to try to approach my work just for what it is and let it go. You know, I, I also will sit down up. I like to sit down first thing in the morning and sort of just review what are the few things I actually want to get done today because it's easy to get uh, distracted. And, and I usually try to focus, get some of the bigger things that require more focused time done in the morning uh it's easier for me i just know my own internal cycles and and more social meetings talking kind of in the afternoon yeah. and then you know and, and then i also am somewhat conscious of winding down at the end of the day you know i'm trying to stop turn off the computer turn off the phone uh let it go um in the evening um, otherwise, you know, if you, I just find if I bring my work, if you go to bed, like if you flop from your computer working on projects into bed, then you basically you sleep all night, you know, dreaming about projects and you wake up in the morning and say, you know, with like, oh, damn, you know, this feeling of panic if I don't get this done and that done. So yeah. just try to let that go. Um, it's a good you know time for me to uh, read and learn, you know, books and you know, podcasts and stuff like that. Do you allow technology in your bedroom? No, no, I put, I should say, well, I've got some, I mean, but no, I, I put my phone in the other room, I plug it in. It's actually, if you want to know one good thing to sleep better, one of the best things you can do is take your phone and take it out of your bedroom. Uh, makes it practically speaking impossible to go to bed checking your email and get up in the morning and checking your email. So no. Very intentional. I don't. I don't. Um, well, to, uh, th this has been great. Uh, I'm a I'm a big believer that people listening will find a way to at least try it <laughs> after listening to this. But um, I always ask two questions uh, to pretty much every guest, which is that are on a specific topic of action. And this is what I call a topic of action, like we can do stuff after this. Um, what is the one thing we can do today, today, to start going on the path of meditation? Can I say something about tomorrow? You can, well, yeah it's, yeah, it's 11, so yeah, maybe tomorrow. All right. I think I was thinking about this. There's a lot you can do. I, I've actually mentioned, of course, this conversation, doing a daily self-reflection. Yeah. You can center and take a couple deep breaths. But I, I think, because uh, you told me you are going to ask this, I think one of the best things people can do just every morning, take, it could be 10 minutes if you can carve out a little time for meditation or self-reflection um, and think about your intentions for the day that that is very powerful and it, it ripples through your whole day. Um, awesome. Yeah, schedule it guys, put it in your calendar. It, yeah. it actually helps. And I realize, you know, if you've got 
infants in the house, it's probably not possible. And then you need to find something that, you know, then find another, you know, can you find another time when yeah. the kid's napping or whatever. Awesome. And the last question to close is uh, any books you recommend for people to read? And I know on your website you have The Relaxed Mind, which we can obviously refer to that one if you would like. But Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, the book I give to people is this book, The Relaxed Mind. It's, it's by a teacher of mine, Keelan Rinpoche. And he's developed seven meditations. They're, they come out of this long wisdom tradition, but they're very practical. They're very simple. And they're kind of tailor-made for busy Westerners. And I think you also, even no matter what practice you do, if you're interested in meditation, it's an amazing book to deepen. It's, it's really more about the view and attitude and mindset you bring to meditation as it is about the actual technique and and, and that's the most important the other thing i did as a research i like i said earlier i think the 10 happier app is is very good hmm. and uh, i love the tao poo yeah I, <laughs> I, you know I, i do think having said all that i think that if you're interested in meditation it, it, these the books and the podcasts and the um, apps are real are fantastic and and I think actually even necessary um, but you also need sooner or later you need a community and you need to talk to people it's very hard to do this kind of work long term all on your own but they're, they're an incredibly helpful part of the mix awesome Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we're going to uh, obviously put all Jim's information in the notes from this podcast so you can reach directly uh, if you're interested. And uh, I know you also run a class in Newton, maybe? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, a meditation class yeah. I teach. I started it um, about nine months ago. Yeah. Uh, we founded it. I founded it with a friend of mine, uh, Susan Ryan, and it's a community for people who are interested in exploring learning meditation we meet every other week um it we have people have been meditate one person come i've been teaching for years and it's totally open to complete newbies who have never sat a moment in their life um i think part of the thing that's somewhat unique about it is we have a real intentional focus on bringing meditation practice off the cushion actually specifically into the workplace um, and, and we do we we meet for an hour and a half every other thursday on in newton center and we spend the first hour learning a little bit about meditation and practicing together and having a conversation and then we spend the second the last half hour doing an exercise very much sort of meditation in action um, to help bridge it. You know, so we literally, we talk and we listen and we do these things we're talking about. And it's a good mixture. And if people are interested, uh, they can learn more at my website, Jim Rosen slash meditation. Sorry, Jim Ro we get the URL right. JimRosen.com slash meditation. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we're probably going to have you here for our company to, to run a program for us. That would be awesome. That would be great. And uh, for everybody listening, this was Jordy Miller on Between the Head and the Heart. Until next time, hope you have a great day. <laughs>